Welcome to Genesis One Christian Ministries. So glad to have you here today. And before we dive into the word, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we just praise your most magnificent name. Lord God, we thank you for the ability to be able to gather together, to be able to hear your words today. And I ask that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words and to get them deeply planted within our spirit so that when the time comes for us to use them, that they would just come bubbling up in the, in the situations that we find ourselves in. Take this message where you will, Lord God, for your glory, for your honor, and for your magnification, and let it be a blessing to all those that hear it. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God and welcome again to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and uh, so glad to have you here. Um, as always, everything that we talk about is in the Word of God. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, take a moment and pause this message and go grab your Bibles and grab a pen and a, and a notepad so you can take notes if you like as well and a highlighter if you want to highlight. And then come on back and, and join us. That way you can see for yourself what the Word of God has to say. And highlighting or taking notes allows you to go back and re reference things um, as you read Scripture, Scripture in the future. Praise God. So it was really interesting, um, you know, as I was preparing this message, uh, a lot of what I was thinking about and, and what I was feeling on my spirit was, was really around how crazy the world is. And it seems like, you know, almost every time I'm preaching, there's always something uh, crazy that's happening in current events or something in the news, or maybe even in your own life, there might be something that's popping up. And as I was kind of praying about it, I said, Lord, it seems like every single time I get up here, there's always something that seems to be kind of strange. And he said, yes, he said, because that's the state of the world that we're in right now. But there's a reason there's, there's a reason for it and, and things we just don't always understand. And as I was thinking about that, you know, I, I started reflecting and, and looking at the fact that I, I'm part of this neighborhood a group online um, for our media neighborhood, so I can get alerts about anything that's happening, any any um, strange circumstances, or or maybe <laughs> you know with, with the holidays right around the corner, people stealing packages off of front porches, and so it's an opportunity for anyone that that has something that they can post online and everybody can read it. And out of all the strange things that I've seen on there, something that I saw I saw that it just really left me scratching my head was somebody saying that their cat came home with bullet, a bullet wound. I'm like, what? Your, your cat? Your, your cat got shot? What? what? And, and it just, and, and, I, and I, I just couldn't believe it. And as I was scrolling through and I was reading the comments, how so many people on there were saying that, you know, their cats have also had been shot in that particular neighborhood um, where they are, which is far away from where, where, where I am um, and everything like that. And somebody even said that uh, their cat came home with a stab wound. You know, and these cats survive, but I just thought to myself, I'd say, who would want to, who would want to shoot a cat? You know, I mean, you turn on the news and you see, you hear about people enforcing all the time, uh, uh, being shot or attacked or stabbed or something to that effect. But now we're, I'm seeing animals that are actually including in this. And, and I was just completely floored and I was just shocked. Like, what in the world is, is going on here? Why are things so crazy? And I just started thinking, like, you know, we still see, things that are happening that don't compute, if you will. 
We see lawmakers that are making laws that apply to everyone else except for them. You know, we, we, we see policies that are being passed that, that doesn't make sense. We see uh, um, uh, things that are being mandated that don't appear to have any rhyme or reason to them. And we just kind of wonder, like, Lord, you know, we, we see this going on all the time and we're praying about these things. And we know things happen in your time frame, but when are you going to step in? And as I was preparing this message, the question that started coming to me is that, you know, we're waiting for God. But maybe God is actually waiting for us. You know, as we're praying about things that are going on, and we're wanting God to step in. Maybe God is waiting for us to look at how serious we are in our lives. Maybe God is, 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 is telling us that we need to get serious. And the more serious we are, the more we'll see his hand move. And so what I'm feeling in my spirit is that we need to get serious about the things of God. We, we, we need to stop playing church. We need to stop playing Christian. We need to stop bouncing around, you know, from church to church and, and, and looking for a message that makes us feel good. And that we need to settle in somewhere where we're being uh, spiritually convicted and being spiritually grown and spiritually fed, being fed so that we can actually be serious about God. So we've got to ask our, ourselves, how serious are we? with the things of God. Now, how do we actually become serious about God? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to make sure that our focus first and foremost is on actually God and is actually on the things that, that, that God wants us to be focused on. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, and we're going to go to verse number 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So in other words, you know, we have to think about the things that we're thinking about, right? Or we have to, to, to think about the things that we're actually focusing on to make sure that we're, we're, we're focused on the right things, focusing on the things that God would want us to focus on. And we might be worrying about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what kind of clothes we're going to put on. But do we actually stop to think about our life? Food is not going to mean a thing if your life is a mess. So spiritually speaking, things aren't going to matter if our spiritual lives are not in order, right? There's sometimes that we have to make sure that we are fulfilling our role in the things that God is calling us to do. We all have a different aspect to play in the body of Christ, right? Just like your body is made up of different parts and, and, and some things you're like, you know, I don't know why I have a, a, what's the point of having a big toe? And we forget that. Well, the big toe is there to help balance you so that you can actually stand. And if you don't think a big toe is important, hurt your big toe and see how much that actually impacts your life. You know, a couple of months ago, I was going up the stairs and uh, tripped on a step and, and, and the big toe on my left foot, it was just in, in, in pain, uh, not swollen or anything like that. Um, but it was painful to just do some regular, regular activities. And I thought it was feeling better. And I went out for a run one day. And even while I was running, I could still feel that pain in my in my toe or walking up and down the stairs. And boy, I just thought, I said, oh, Lord, yeah, the big toe, that's a, an important part, part of life. And so as children of God, we have to make sure that our lives are, are being conducted in a way that God wants them to be conducted. 
not worrying about all the other things that don't matter, but our spiritual lives need to be in order. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not of more value than they? So aren't we more valuable than the birds of the air as God's most precious creation? And the answer to that, of course, of course is yes, we are. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? In other words, you can worry about that problem that you're facing all you want. That problem is not going to go away the more and more you worry about it. Whatever it is that you've got going on in your life does not go away by you constantly worrying about it. If anything, it makes the problem even bigger because now instead of you being able to focus on a solution, more importantly, without being able to focus on God to find out what that solution is, you keep the problem in your life and it just stays there and it festers and it festers and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And then what also then starts to happen after that is not only do you start thinking about that problem, but then you start thinking about every single other problem that's connected to that one problem. So now your issue started off with something very minor. It may have been the size of a molehill. Now it's turned into an entire mountain because you're worrying about the thing that you shouldn't worry about. Okay. We need to worry about the things or not worry about, but we need to think about the things that are important to God because you can sit there and wish all you want. You can cross your fingers as, as, as hard as you like. Whatever height you are, if you're done growing, you're not going to get any taller. You're not going to get any taller. So which of you by worrying can add one cubit, a, a cubit to his stature? Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So if God can take care of the grass that is going to burn up and wither away tomorrow, and we're more precious to God, then why would God not take care of us? And the reason why we think that God won't take care of us oftentimes is because we don't have a lot of faith. We lose that faith because we don't take the things of God seriously. We don't take God seriously. We know what the word of God says about him being there for us and taking care of us. We know what these scriptures are saying here to us. But we oftentimes don't take God seriously in those things. Because sometimes we think God has more important things to do than take care of us. Even though we can read the scripture right there that, 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 that God is saying that if he cares about the, 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 the grass and he takes care of the grass and he takes care of the lilies in the field and he takes care of the birds of the air and we're more precious to him that he will also take care of us. We, we can read that and we can say, yeah, I get it. But what to put it into practice only happens if we take God seriously. If we take the things that he talks about seriously, if we take the word seriously, if we're serious about involving him in our lives, in every aspect of our lives, that's how our faith starts to starts to grow. We can stop worrying less. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. Highlight that if you don't have it highlighted already. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. 
For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first, underline first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, so a lot of beautiful things there that Jesus is saying. First and foremost, the Gentiles or the world focuses on things like what should I eat? What should I wear? What should I drink? And this is not saying that we as children of God uh, uh, don't need to think about those things that, you know, we don't need to plan our meals and, and, and things of that nature and, and buying supplies and things that we need for the house. But what this is saying is that worrying and, and, and being fearful of whether or not you're going to be able to find those things on the shelf. That is what the non-believer does. That's what the world does. See, we, we know as children of God and what we have to remember as children of God is that God is Jehovah Jireh. OK, meaning that God will provide. All right. And he will provide for us according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, not according to the things that we think that we want or the things that we think that we need. So what this means, then, is that when somebody tells you that there's a supply chain, uh, supply shortage out there and the media wants to cover it. And people in leadership positions want to keep talking about it. What this is saying here is that if we're like the world, we go into a panic buying mode. We go to the store wondering if we're going to be able to find that thing that we need. But we don't need to do that because if I'm first seeking God's kingdom and the things that matter to God, then all those other things that I need in life to survive will take care of themselves. They will fall into place. This also means that those relationships that I have with people that might be strained, maybe it's a family member or maybe it's a friend. All of those relationships will fall into place if I put my focus first and foremost on the things of God. The unbeliever is the one that focuses on the things that don't matter. But as children of God, our focus first and foremost must be on God. And then everything else that we ask for will be given to us. And not only that, other things that we didn't ask for, God will also give as he did with Solomon. And if you remember when Solomon became king, the, 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 the prayer he sent up to God was that, you know, Lord, I don't know how to come out and go in, but you're entrusting me with this, with, with this position of, a, of authority. And what I need is I need wisdom to be able to lead these people. So please give me that wisdom. And what God said to him is not only am I going to give you wisdom that the world has never seen before in a human being, but I'm going to give you wisdom that no one else, another, no other human being is going to have after you. And not only are you going to get that wisdom, but I'm going to get you the things that you didn't ask for. And that was riches. Okay. So Solomon also uh, inherited or was given some wealth by God, even though that's not what he, that's not what he asked for. These scriptures don't mean that we don't plan for tomorrow. It means that we don't need to think about what problems we might face tomorrow because we have enough things to deal with today. Okay. So whatever day it is that you're listening to this message, there's enough things going on today to the point where you don't have to worry about the issues of tomorrow when you probably got some issues today that you need to deal with. Again, this doesn't mean that we don't plan. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a vision for our lives. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't have goals for our lives, but we don't need to worry about what problems and issues might come along the horizon. If we think that we might face something tomorrow, what we do is we go to God and we ask God about it. We ask God to guide us and to lead us. You know, I can't think of how many times that uh, 
I had a meeting scheduled. And the day before I was thinking about that meeting, like, oh, Lord, there's going to be some of these people here that are just going to give me a hard time. And, and oh, I'm not sure how to deal with it. I'm going to do this. And I start game planning all these things that I want to do. And then when that meeting comes, sometimes that person or those people that I know that are going to be in there giving me a hard time, sometimes they won't even show up to the meeting. For whatever reason, they won't be there. Maybe they're wrapped up in some other priority or, or maybe they weren't in the office that day or maybe they forgot about it, but they won't be in that meeting. And by, by not having them in that meeting, that was a, that allowed us to advance our, our strategy that we were trying to move forward with. That barrier was then there removed. Or if they were in the meeting, they didn't give me as much of a hard time as I thought that they were going to give. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the fact that once I gave it to God and I let him guide me and I let him take the problem from me, I was able then to not worry about it. Okay, I had to remember the things that, that we just read here about God going to take care of me more so than he takes care of the birds of the field and the, and the, and the lilies in the, in, in the grass. That's part of being serious about the things of God. We should have goals and we should think about how we accomplish those goals. But we need to do all of that with God's guidance. So if you've got a question in your life about where where it is that you, you, you need to go in the next few years, instead of you sitting down and doing it, writing it out on a piece of paper by yourself, write it down and just say, all right, Lord, help me plan out my life. Here's the goals that I have, Lord. Help me see how these goals align with your goals. Help me to understand what my individual purpose and my individual role is in the body of Christ so that I may fulfill that for your glory. Okay? That's how we do our planning in our lives. In order to put God first in our lives, we need to make sure that we're also on fire for him. We need to have that fire to follow him and to please him to be ignited deep within our spirits. And sometimes that fire needs to be reignited. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to go to, we're going to start in verse number 1. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Jesus Christ. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I, uh, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Uh, one of the things we have to remember, too, is that when we're serving God, we need to serve God wholeheartedly. So as Paul is talking about serving God with a, a, a pure conscience, this is mean putting every fiber of his being into serving God. Understanding that, 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 that whatever happens as we follow God, it's all part of God's divine plan. And it's only going to help us do all the things that we're being called to do by God, help us to do those things better. And it's going to bring glory and honor to him because it's not about us. It's about him. So serving God with a pure conscience is, is, is understanding that. It's understanding that we can't put our feet in two worlds. Okay? The Bible talks about you saying that you can't serve God and mammon. All right? You can't serve God and then serve mankind as well. 
You can't waffle back and forth in two, wor in two worlds. The Bible also says that God says, I wish you were hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So when we're following God with a pure conscience, it's about having our, our both of our feet firmly planted in, in the things that he wants us to have them planted in. So every so often we should be asking ourselves, how are we serving God? Are we serving God in all areas of our lives or only in those areas where it's most convenient? And I'm not going to get in too much into this because, you know, this this could be a, a, a sermon by itself. But following God takes some effort. It takes some work. It isn't always easy. If it was easy, we all would be doing it. But it's not. So it takes a conscious effort on our part and it takes some, 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 some struggling and some, some overcoming challenges to be able to follow God. But we have to do it not when it's convenient for us, but we need to do it when it's also isn't convenient for us. Okay. How do we, what's our standard of living? Do we raise our standard of living to meet God's bar or do we try to lower God's bar to meet our standard of living? If we're raising our bar to meet God's expectation, then God can do some miraculous things in our lives. But if we try to bring God to our level, then we run, run the run, excuse me, run the risk of compromising his word. We run the risk of, of, of looking at the scripture and saying, you know what? I, I don't like that scripture, so I'm not going to believe in it. I'm going to say that that was for old times. Because it's too hard to do that now. And, and I want to make it easy. And there's so many Christians. There's so many Christians out there. That want to analyze the word of God. Not from the perspective of trying to learn. How to be more Christ-like. And to have a deeper walk with God. But try to figure out ways to read the word of God. To apply it to areas of their lives. That. Or I should say, not apply it to areas of their lives that they know they need to change. The word of God talks about all sorts of things that we need to stay away from. All sorts of lifestyles that we need to stay, stay away from. But how many children of God will ignore that because if they stay away from that lifestyle, that means they have to change something about themselves. And they want to continue doing the things that they're doing instead of saying, okay, when I turn my life over to Christ, I made a conscious decision to give up the things that God doesn't want me to do. To stop acting as a child, as, as Paul even said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I thought like a child. But when basically when I became saved, I put off childish things because I'm a new creature. So when we follow, turn our lives over to Christ, we become a new creature and we need to give up those old things. Verse, uh, verse four, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance, uh, remembrance the genuine faith, that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And verse five, the underlying word says genuine faith. OK, as I was saying earlier, faith, true faith only happens. OK, when you're serious about the things of God. And again, if I'm serious about the things of God, then I can have true and genuine faith. Genuine faith is having faith that God is going to work the things to good, uh, the things that are troubling you, work to work those things out to be good on your behalf and to deliver you from those situations, no matter how impossible it might seem. 
no matter how much things around you just aren't adding up and you don't know how God is going to deliver you. Genuine faith is knowing that I don't know how God is going to take me out of this, but I do know God is going to take me out of it. That is part of being serious about the things of God. Okay. Verse number six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands, underline that to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you don't have all of verse seven underlined, underline all of that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need to recognize that God has put something in us that is only for us. Okay, God has put something special in you that's only for you and not for anyone else. That's for you to use according to God's plan for your life, not according to anybody else's plan for your life, including your own. We all have something in us that God has put there. But it doesn't matter how long we've been walking with God. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we need to stir up that gift. Sometimes we need somebody to, to bring to remembrance that God has put something in us and that we need to stir it up to be able to get it to be activated. I remember as a kid uh, growing up in New York, uh, in the summertime there, it was hot. Okay? You know, uh, 95 degrees plus in the summertime, plus a heat index, which means that uh, based off the heat, it didn't, it wasn't, even though it was 95 degrees, it probably felt like 105 or 110. And I remember we would play basketball in the summertime, sometimes for hours, you know, starting at almost nine o'clock in the morning. And we go almost until it was dinner time, and then everybody had to go home. And there's times when we would just go out to the hose and, you know, turn the hose on, drink water. Now you can't do that because, and we probably shouldn't have done it back then, but, you know, it didn't bother any of us, thank God. Um, we, we would do that. But then we would go inside of our friend's house and, We'd either make some Kool-Aid or some, some some iced tea. And when you get that glass and you put that sugar into the glass, it just sits there in the bottom. You know, and you, you put some water in there and some pieces may start to float up. But it's not until you actually stir up all that sugar that's in there that then changes the form of what that water and sugar is. And it changes it into that iced tea or into that Kool-Aid or to whatever that drink is that, that you're making. Well, as a child of God, when you're born, all right, because God said, I knew you before the foundations of the world. All right. So before we were born, God knew us. That means when we were born and we turned our lives over to, over to Christ, there was something that was already in us that God placed in us. We're like that empty glass with the sugar that's in there. We then ask Holy Spirit to come in our lives and, 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 that, and that water is reminiscent of Holy Spirit coming in and, and giving us a fresh infilling. But just because Holy Spirit is in our lives and we have that thing that God put in us, it doesn't mean that that thing is, is actually operating until we allow Holy Spirit to stir up that gift in us. When that then happens, then we start to become more appealing to those that see us. When I stirred up that sugar, then that drink became more appealing to myself because I knew that now I'm going to drink it and, and my, my thirst is going to be quenched and oh man, it's going to taste so good. When we stir up that gift in our lives, other people start to see that in operation. Now, they won't necessarily be able to put their finger on it, but they, what they would be able to see is that there's something about you that's different. 
You may be the first one to go jump into a challenge with both feet while everybody else is, fe is feeling fearful. Why? Because you know what God has placed in you and you're stirring that thing up in all aspects of your lives so that you remember in verse 7 that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. So when everybody else is stepping back and they're afraid to take on that challenge, to jump into that project, to do that thing that's going to make everyone uncomfortable because they may not know how to do it, you raise your hand just like David did and you say I'm going to go because I know that God the Father has my back why because it's on my resume amen it's on my resume I can see everywhere in my life where God was and how he brought me through those situations. And I'm stepping forward now because God is still with me today. And God is calling me to take on this particular situation because that's what he's put in me. He's put something in me that you won't understand because it's not in you. It's in me. So now what I need to do is to activate that thing, whatever it is that God placed it, placed inside of me with, with, uh, with Holy Spirit being present and then watch how your life turns out watch how your life your life turns out we understand when we're serious about God that if we are going to use the gift that he's given us then that spirit of fear has no power over us and that spirit of fear has no power over us because we aren't walking in fear because we know that God has given me something that I am supposed to be using and I have genuine faith in his abilities to be able to take me through whatever the situation is that I'm actually going to be that I'm actually going to be dealing with. Whenever we use the thing that God has given us to fulfill his purpose in our lives, we will not fail. No matter how hard it might seem, if we use the thing that God has given us, we won't be a failure. Even if it seems like we're struggling with something, even if it seems like a, a, a tribulation is taking is taking much longer than we thought, we won't be a failure because we're using the thing that God has given us. Amen. And we're following God's voice and we're allowing him to guide us. Therefore, not only are we using the thing that God has given us, but we are using it in the way that he is intending it, uh, intending for us to use it. Okay. Verse number seven again. Therefore, uh, no, yeah, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Underline that not according to our own works but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Uh, uh, yeah, let's keep, keep going there. But now, uh, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher an apostle and a, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I uh, have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. We don't need to be ashamed of who we are and what God has called us to do. There's no need to be ashamed of that. You don't know why God is calling you to do the thing that he is calling you. 
other people don't even know what your calling is. So what we need to do is to make sure that we're aligning our lives with the things that God wants us to do. If God called me to do the worst job in the world, guess what? I'm going to do the best that I can at that worst job, whatever it is that might be. Why? Because God called me to do it. God called me to do it for his purpose, not according to my own purpose, not according to my own works, but according to his purpose that he's established before time began. Okay. Sometimes God might call us to do an unappealing job. But we all have our roles in the body of Christ and we must give 100 percent of ourselves to fulfill that role, regardless of what that what that role might be. Part of being serious is all is not only stirring up what God has placed in us, but also to not be ashamed of who we are. Being serious also means we are not fearful of going down whatever path God has called us on, especially when we don't know where that path will lead. Genuine faith is not being afraid of the unknown. Now, we all feel fear at some point. Okay, all things being equal and you don't have um, some sort of disability or disorder that, that prevents you from feeling fear. We all feel fear at some point. But if we remember who God is, when we feel that fear, we remember what we just read in verse seven. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and of a sound mind. So that fear that, that I might be feeling is something that the devil is trying to put on me to keep me from walking in God's and uh, uh, walking according to God's path. Okay, but if I'm serious about God, I will rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus and ask God to give me a peace that passes all understanding so that I may fulfill his calling in my life. Okay, we must also be obedient to following God's direction to ensure we use his gifts in the way that he intended us to. Turning your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six and we're going to start in verse number 10 deuteronomy chapter six verse 10 so it shall be when the lord your god brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers to abraham isaac and jacob to give you uh, large and beautiful cities which you did not build houses full of all good things which you did not fill Hewn out with uh, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, unless you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him, and shall take oaths in His name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. So understand something that when you're obedient to God's calling and you're following the path that he has you on, you're going to inherit some things that are just going to shock you in a positive way. You're going to be blessed with things that you didn't even have to work for. That someone else had to struggle to get it built. And when it gives, and when God gives it to you, you, you won't even be asking for those things. You won't have to go through the struggle of building that thing yourself. It'll already be built for you, ready for you to use. 
If you've ever baked a cake from scratch, okay, or, or baked any kind of pie from scratch, you know that the reason why it tastes different than something that's bought in the store is because it's ha it, it, it's you've put your hands on it. You know, you've created it yourself. You've created the flour and you've created the 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 the, the cake mix on, on your own. You didn't buy it off the shelf, and it takes a little bit longer. Okay. And, and it's, and oftentimes you don't have a recipe necessarily. You just, you can eyeball it and you can figure it out. Like if it's not at a certain level, it's not right. And it may even go against all things that, that other people know about baking, but because it's from scratch, there's just something that you know about how to make it that others won't and may not understand. In fact, they may even ask you, wait, how did you do this? What's your secret? Okay. And you know the 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 struggle, if you will, that it go that goes through uh, baking something from scratch. But when it's done, oh, it tastes so much better. It tastes so much better than what you buy off the shelf. It takes longer to build, so you sacrifice that that convenience uh, uh, to get a better quality cake to be made or a better quality pie than just going to the store and buying it. What this is saying, though, is that. You won't even have to struggle doing that. And the thing that God is going to bless you with is going to taste just like if it was homemade. Okay. Just like it was homemade. Somebody else may struggle with developing that, but you won't have to struggle with it. You will be the beneficiary of that thing that the person struggled with. And what we need to remember is that when I was talking in previous scriptures about God giving us something that's for us, that thing that he put in us, that gift that he put in us, it's for us to use, but it's to use to benefit other people. Okay. The thing that God has called you to do, whatever that is, it's not for your benefit. It's for the benefit of other people. And if you ever step back and you looked at your life and you looked at some of the struggles that you've had, we all could probably remember a time where somebody brought a good piece of news to you. And what did you say to them? You said, oh, that just made my day. That just made my day. Why? Because I was in the middle of a struggle at that time. And, and I was thinking so much about this issue that finally I got some good news. And the good news may not even have anything to do with me. It had everything to do with the fact that somebody else somehow received the blessing. So if you look in your life and you see that you've got some struggles, look around you and see who is it that you've been blessing while you've been struggling. Look around you and see how other people are benefiting from your struggle and step back and realize that the thing that you've got going on has nothing to do with you and has never had anything to do with you. It has everything to do about God. And if you're putting God first during that struggle, other people are going to be blessed in the process. And the thing we have to learn to start finding joy in is we have to start looking. We have to start finding joy in other people's successes, even if we don't get the credit for it. Okay. Even if we don't get the credit for it, because we are here on this earth to point everybody back to God. So if I could point somebody towards God and they have uh, a level of success that I've never even accomplished, I should be able to look back at that and say, praise God, because I did what God called me to do. And that person was blessed by it. And if they were blessed by it, then that means I'm going to be happy because I did what God called me to do. And if I'm doing what God has called me to do, then God is going to be happy with me as well. I remember many times being involved in certain projects that that led to um, positive results. And not once did I get a kudos for it. But I remember walking away from that project and, and just saying, "Whoo, Lord, I am glad that worked because I wasn't sure what was what the outcome of this was going to be. 
but I'm happy because I was able to use the things that you put in me, the skills that you've given me. I've been able to use those things to bless somebody else and to help somebody else be successful. Okay. The struggle that you have in your life is meant to be a testimony for another person. This shows us that the life that we have has never, ever, ever been about us, but it's always been about God, as I, as I said earlier, okay? If we can bless people in times of struggle, then that shows that, that, that we're putting other people before us, that we're putting God before, before, our, before our own needs, okay? You know, I can think of many times, too, when <laughs> giving something to somebody, you know, donating donating it because it just wasn't working for me and and just saying hey you know what instead of selling this to you, i'm just going to go ahead and give it yeah there you go give it to you and you watch their face and their eyes light up like oh my gosh i can't believe you would give this to me i was like well yeah you know i, I don't need it anymore it did i couldn't get it to work for me if you think it's going to work for you go go ahead and have it and i never never sat back and thought to myself why did i give that thing away I should have just kept it. I should have held on to it. No, I gave it to them because I wanted it to be a blessing to them. Okay. Uh, verse, verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep, his command, uh, keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, uh, which he has commanded you and you shall do what is right and, and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land of which lo uh, the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. If you don't have verses 17 and 18 underlined, underline all of those. And I would like you to also double underline in verse 18, where it says, do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. When we make a decision about what's right from wrong, our barometer is the word of God, not anybody else. I don't care how powerful a person might be, how many degrees they have, they don't determine what's right or wrong unless it's absent, unless it's grounded in the word of God. That's where we, that's our, our barometer of success. That is our measure that we use to determine if we're, if we're doing the things that God wants us to do, not with anyone else. Because if we do that, then we'll be able to go and, and possess the thing that God has said he has intended for us. Okay. And if you look in the news and you look at decisions that are being made and laws being passed. Okay. And you can hear how people try to put a political spin on it and they'll say, well, you know, we have to do these things because these people are going to be negatively impacted by that. But if we don't do something. But the reality of it is, is look how we're choosing to, quote unquote, help the people that are being negatively impacted. It's not grounded in scripture. It's not grounded on the things of God. OK, where, where people are allowed to break laws. All right. Allowed to break laws. And I'll say it allowed to break laws to come into this country. OK, God very much is a God of law and order. He is very much a God of law and order, and he expects us as mankind to also have law and order in, order in things that we do. So we need to be able to recognize that and do the things that God is saying that's right, not the things that man might be saying. And diligently, in verse 17, keep in his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes. Okay, that he's commanded us. This Bible is full of so many of God's testimonies. OK, our lives are full of God's testimonies as well. 
as God has brought us through various situations and various trials and tribulations. So we need to make sure that we don't forget those things and that we're being obedient to, to, to his calling so that we can possess the land, the good land. It doesn't say just land in verse 18. It says, possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. So God made a promise. Okay. He made a promise. All right. That he would give us good things that he would bless us. He made an oath to do that. And, and the Bible says that his word shall not return unto him void. It will do the thing that he says it's going to do. So whatever promise God has put in your life and told you that he's going to do for you, understand that he is going to do it. But he's only going to do it if we are obedient to him and if we're serious about him. So take some time out and ask yourself, how serious are you when it comes down to the things of God? Ask Holy Spirit to point out in your life, anything in your lives, any areas in your life where you might be compromising because it feels good or, or because you want to hold on to something because it's too hard to, to, to let go. And then when Holy Spirit reveals that to you, ask God to help you to give it up. Ask God to help you to give it up and understand that you will be able to give it up. But it's 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 about what's des what desire you have in your heart. It's about what is it that you really, really, really want to do. If you have the will and the desire to give up the things that are going to pull you away from God and you're serious about those things, understand you will be able to do that. And God will be more than happy, more than happy to help you. Well, praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And um, before we close, let's close in prayer. Dear Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the words that came forth today. And I pray for everyone that has heard these words, Lord, that you would just come into our lives and reveal to us anything that is keeping us from being serious with you, Lord. Give us the strength to take all aspects of our lives that would be distracting to you and just remove them out of our lives and to, to help us to have blinders on as we look to you for guidance and for direction and in our lives and, and that we would you would help us to just stay on the straight and narrow path, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to watch over us and to keep us safe, Lord, and to continue to help us to be a blessing to those that are around us. Help us to bless those that need help. Help us to be a blessing to those when we ourselves might be struggling, Lord God, because everybody could benefit from your blessings, Lord. So help us to be a testimony to others about how good you are and how faithful you are. I can ask that you continue to watch over us and keep us safe, Lord God. And we thank you for all your wonderful blessings, both great and small. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it is, Feel free to go to our website, genesis1.sermon.net. Genesis 1 is one word, so genesis1.sermon.net. And you can download any one of our podcasts that are on there. And uh, feel free, if you feel led, to share those with others as well, to friends, family, and loved ones, and even to anybody that might be giving you a hard time because it's God's will. It's not God's will for any of us to perish, all right? So if you go to that website and you click on the upper right-hand corner on subscribe, you'll also be notified anytime a new podcast is posted through whatever app that you use uh, for, for receiving podcasts. Praise God. Well, I hope you go in his, all of his blessings, and I, I hope that you take these words and, and, and that they get deeply rooted in your spirit so that you can use them uh, when you, whenever you need them. 
And that Holy Spirit will bring them back up to remembrance when you actually need them. Praise God. Go in peace. Go and be prosperous. And remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God.